Hey everyone, it's Joe. Welcome to another episode of the Future Business Analyst podcast. My guest today is Jonathan Hunsley, Service Development Director with Assist Knowledge Development. Now, Jonathan very humbly left one of the fields empty in the guest form, which means there's a consequence that him to him that I need to fill that gap. So as well as being the service development director at Assist, is also chief brewer, or maybe the big teapot or something like that at uh, at, B, at the BA Brew Prog podcast. Welcome to the show, Jonathan. Thanks for joining me today. Thanks, Joe. Thank you for inviting me. I'm really pleased to be here. Yeah, no, it's good, it's good, it's good to have you. Now, the pl the place we usually start with people is just to understand a bit about their their background. So, won't you sort of introduce us to you with a bit of in a story of how you got introduced to business analysis? Okay, so um, I started off my career uh, following going to university, uh, working for an insurance company of all places. And I saw a job advert on the internal intranet site for a training business analyst for a graduate kind of scheme. And I applied. I was shocked to get the job. And, and I'll be honest, Joe, I didn't really know what it was that I was applying for. <laughs> I remember asking quite a few people, what is this BA role? What, it, what really is a business analyst? And whoever I asked, I got different answers from. Um, and I, I got cold feet, Joe. I initially okay. turned that job down. Um, because it meant I'd have to move house and all sorts of weird things. Um, so I turned it down and I had a, quite a few sleepless nights. And then I rang up the recruiting manager and said, I've changed my mind. Can I come and join you? And I, I started off, uh, I had a two year, very structured placement program working around different areas of information technology. So I worked in uh, management, information, data warehousing, information security, and, and a few other departments. And I, I finished this placement scheme thing. Yeah. And then, and then I was, I was, I was looking at someone's desk and I found something called an ICEB wheel, which was the information right. systems examination okay. board as it was back then. And I got myself onto a BCS accredited diploma program. And I really haven't looked back, Joe, that, that, that course was for me the start of my business analysis career um whilst i've been doing it a couple of years i was still trying to find my way the real start was when i saw that i said wheel it's now bcs um but um yeah and going on a, it was a modeling business processes course at piccadilly circus in london that was where i really thought all right this is i've started to find my my profession uh, i suppose yeah, no, it's fantastic, and like I mean, you've you've come f sort of full circle, really, from that graduate, that trainee, and now mm -hmm. to be in the position that you are, getting the opportunity every day to help people with that same BCS diploma, right? It's it's fantastic. Uh, I I I'm one of the few people that I talk to anyway that I genuinely love my job. I like helping people. I like solving problems. I like moving businesses forward. And, and helping people develop, learn and grow, it, it's one of the absolute privileges of, of my job, as it is yours, Joe, because you get the chance to do it as well. Yeah, um, no, It's really it, rewarding. It, it is completely rewarding. I, I'm possibly the other person then who enjoys their job too, <laughs> right? But um, no, it's, it's a huge amount. 
you know, sort of helping people and, and seeing that moment when they like get it, when they get business analysis yep. and, and they can just like apply it, you know, template aside, not following a process. I just like, I get this thing. I mean, it's so rewarding. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's fantastic. <laughs> yeah. Um, two phrases you mentioned in there. One was solving problems. Two was um, moving things forward. We've got a bit of a problem to solve today, which is the future of business analysis, right? <laughs> I don't expect you to solve it for me. That that would be a big ask, wouldn't it? But, um, you know, moving the profession forwards, because I, I'm sure that you've seen it evolve um, from when you started through to the point where it is now. And I think you're in a fortunate position where actually you do get the chance to drive the profession forward mm-hmm. through some of the sort of um, course authoring that you do and, and, and mm-hmm. making that available to people. So it, it's a phenomenal position that you have. So mm-hmm. maybe on that note, sort of where do you see us moving towards? What what, what do you think the next sort of trends coming are? So, so it, I, I find this question, it's really difficult to answer and I've, I've got some thoughts on it, but I'm just aware that I'm going to look back on this podcast recording in five years' time and know that I've given the wrong answers. So I'm not just acutely aware. So, We're but I've got some ideas. Um, if only we had a time machine so we could see the future. But um, I, I, I really thought about this before before today's pod, and 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 I also I'm going to share. I typed in some of these questions into ChatGPT, Joe. Oh, so I initially put my thoughts down, and I thought, I wonder what ChatGPT thinks. Okay, and that's my first trend. I think that we're going to use technology more and more in our professional discipline, be it artificial intelligence, be it other technologies that aren't yet invented. Um, we are, I think, going to be moved towards a knowledge engineering, a knowledge discipline, where we're needing to take informed data-driven decisions we're we're going to have to collaborate a lot more extensively than we do today and i think tooling can be a part of how we collaborate um i think professionalization of this career career and this professional discipline is it's already happening and i see it continuing um and i think it will grow grow uh, further beyond where it is now um because I think there are, there's a, a lot of uh, individuals that are practicing as business analysts that maybe haven't done any structured training. They then they've not um, done the reading. They haven't had the coaching potentially, but they've still got the job title of business analyst. And and I think going forward, we're going to see an increased professionalization of this career, where uh, we work to standards and we're subject to continuous improvement, continual professional development. Um, the other thing I want to throw in. I think we've got to be more and more outcome driven. So outcomes for the businesses, the organizations that we work for, outcomes for the broader set of stakeholders and and the particular stakeholder that I really think needs to come front and front and foremost in mind is the customer. We've really got to be driving the work towards customer and business outcomes. Um, And I've got lots of other thoughts about trends on business architecture, business service design, and other things as well. There's, I, 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 I really want that time machine to look back at my answer and see where does it go. But um, I hope that gives you a bit of a flavour, Joe. 
It, it does give me a flavour. I, I feel like you threw the, the, the entire kitchen and the sink at me there. <laughs> Sorry about that. <laughs> what, what might be coming? I'm also very interested, as you say, in five years' time to like do a score, you versus uh, chat GPT, to see like who comes uh, out a little bit ahead of the other one here. <laughs> GPT will win, I'm sure. <laughs> Well, you know, I don't know. The thing about Chat GPT is, it's just sort of a collection of common knowledge, right? That it that mm. it's taken, and and as much as common knowledge often can like indicate patterns and trends, I often look mm. to the outliers and the individual thinking to perhaps bring mm. something that, that that's a bit different to that. Because Chat GPT will probably give me the same answers. Um, every time, right? Mm. Whereas you're going to give me some different answers to what uh, Samuel gave me on the last yeah. pod. So, yeah. so um, I'm very, very keen to hear this. Let, let, let's let's go back to the, a couple of things. Let's tackle them together. I think maybe because you sort of brought them together here, and that's tooling and collaboration. So, yeah. I mean, on one hand, I, I'm I'm sort of of the opinion that previously business analysts haven't really been given like the best tools to be able to do their jobs. It, it often feels like we're the shoemaker without shoes, but certainly, you know, the technology that, that we have available to us is quite marvelous. And even like free versions of stuff. Um, yep. I, I'm using Otter AI. I'm using Grammarly, like in my daily work to get things done. I'm using AI in Notion too. It's like it's increasing my productivity and things. But um, when it comes to tooling and collaboration, what, what sort of things do you imagine there? And I mean, this is just imagining. And, and, and we don't know, but I'm, I'm expecting that AI will be used as a source for data-driven decisions. And, and I think, uh, you know, this kind of a traditional approach towards option appraisal in a business case, um, I think that's going to move forward. I really, I really think there's going to be models looking at scenarios that, that they already exist in certain disciplines, but I don't see them being used extensively in business analysis. And I think, you know, as we're appraising options and hypotheses for potential concepts, I think we're going to be plugging those into models and getting feedback on various scenarios and, and looking at, well, what, what are the risks? What are the issues? What are, what's the potential impacts here? And, and one of the other things I think is going to happen, and you some, sometimes see this in kind of the technology development world where you, they're doing hackathons to yeah. look at, how do we code a solution for a particular problem? Well, I think going forward, we're going to have business analysts working with their peers to solve really difficult problems, and they're going to need tooling in order to support them in doing that. But I'm, I'm sort of seeing a, a world where we're working on like wicked problems, really tough problems, and we're going to be working cross continents, cross cultures, possibly across different languages, using different tools to solve the complex challenges in our organizations in, in the worlds in which we, we operate. And, and I don't know if it's going to come true, yeah. but I can see it happening. And I don't think that the situation where we've been, we've, we've historically been uh, using tools where they've not been invested in, I think the importance of business analysis is going to grow and therefore we're going to need increased standards increased professionalization and we're going to need the support of the tools to do some of the things that I'm talking about um, going forward. Yeah. yeah. It's, um, 
you know, it is really interesting, like you say, different languages, right? Because, yeah. uh, I mean, I have seen some of these translation tools and I can speak to you in one language and it can, yeah. you know, move that on in real time in a, in a conversation. So it's almost going to make things a lot more streamlined and more, a lot more mm -hmm. seamless in, in, in how we can do things. I like that idea of solving wicked problems as well. I mean, it'd be really good if we can start to, you know, do some innovation around that. Yeah. But, but one of the things that was probably um, sort of jumping into my mind while you you talked about that if we do imagine that that there is some form of ai and that ai is some form of repository right it knows the organization it knows the world society the domain you know it's like it, it's got that sort of wealth of um knowledge sitting there and we're using tools as a form of interface, right? Mm -hmm. Maybe we're speaking with voice or whatever it is in order mm -hmm. to do this. But what it comes down to, I imagine, is asking the right question. Yeah. Like, is that going to be where the difference is between sort of a good BA and a bad BA, perhaps? Well, I think I think we've got a challenge in, in the profession. We need to increase. We've got to uplift everyone. I, I think that to to gain the respect of other change disciplines, to gain the respect of some of the colleagues that we work with in the organizations that we have, we've, we've got to upskill ourselves and, and increase our professionalism. And it's this, this is work. We've got to do the work. I think Joe, um, it's, it's partly about asking the right questions, but it's asking that question at the right time to the right stakeholder in the right context, in the right way. Sometimes it comes down to your tone of voice that you use relative to asking the question in terms of how it lands. It might be that you ask a question, it's a perfectly valid question, but if you ask it in front of a group where the person you're asking the question is looking towards their peers or their peers are watching them answer the question, you might lose that stakeholder at that point in time. And, and so you got to ask the right question the right way at the right time with the right person. And we've got to get more adept and, and I think more emotionally intelligent relative to the asking of the questions. And then the other key skill, and, I, and this is nothing new, we've got to get better at listening. We've got to get much better at listening because when we answer, when, when we ask these questions, I hear way too many in stories of stakeholders that are really annoyed that a BA professional has asked them a question. And there's another BA professional that comes along three, six, nine months later and asks similar questions. And this is where I think the tooling could help. Yeah. But the collaboration, absolutely. We've got to capture this knowledge, yeah. retain it and reuse it. Yeah. And this, this for me is like a next, the next leap in business analysis. Let's, let's ask the right questions, but listen to the answers and capture yeah. the knowledge so yeah. we can reuse it. Because at the moment we're capturing it in a piecemeal basis and we're not sharing yeah. it. And I, yeah. I think that's going to move forward. It, it does. It's almost captured on a per project basis rather yeah. than an organization basis. So it sort of yeah. lives in that little repository of information when that particular change was done. Yeah. But it, but it's not extended to everyone. It reminds me of something that I joke about often on, on the training. When BAs go into a new assignment, they always have to do an as-is process flow for like to understand what happens. Mm -hmm. But they're like the 30th BA that has sat in that chair in that department. Mm -hmm. So I just find it astounding how there isn't an as-is yeah. process flow. It sort of yeah. disappeared, right? Yeah. And it's that, I mean, take, take the process information. We should have, we should have captured and retained that. And I know it takes maintenance. I know it's work. 
but we should know how our systems operate. We should know how we deliver our current product services. Yeah. But for some reason, we're not capturing it in the change profession. Uh, we are capturing it, but we're capturing it on a per product or a per mm. project basis. Mm. It's not reusable. We've got to solve that challenge. Yeah. And we'll be more effective if we do. Because then you can, you're not asking the what is the as is. You're starting to say, well, what's possible about the future? Yeah, yeah. So yeah, just just getting that knowledge to be to be up to date and to be current. Um, mm. You used the word profession in there, so let me jump on to one of those other things that you threw at me at the beginning, right? Professionalism. Um, you talk about um, uh, you talk about more people basically being drawn to the profession. I suppose mm. uh, the fact that they might not identify as a BA right now, but over time they're going to find a way to, to realize that, that there are similarities between them. I'd imagine that that technology that you're talking about at the beginning helps because, you know, when there's technology, it just means that more people can communicate mm -hmm. with more people more often. And so mm -hmm. perhaps that's going to increase the chances of people finding like this, this business analysis role, this name, mm -hmm. um, how do you see the professional community changing as it starts to snowball then with new members? So I, I think it's, it's partly new members entering the profession, um, but it's, it's also uplifting the current members in the profession. And so I, I think there's a, there's a few things that, that we need to discuss more proactively as a, as a professional discipline, not least the role. And what are our roles and responsibilities relative to other change professionals? There's far too much role ambiguity, confusion between, for example, the business analyst and UX designers or solution architects, business and enterprise architects. Where does one start and one finish? Whose job is it to look at the non-functional requirements, for example, of a particular product or service offering? In some projects, it's one role. In another project, it's a different role. In one team, it's someone else. And, and, and I'm not saying we need a global standard for that that's, that everyone has to comply with, because I don't think that's realistic. But yeah, need a more proactive... No, it's not going to happen overnight. But um, if we don't have these discussions and we don't obtain some role clarity, we have an argument and sometimes a little bit of politics inside the team where people are trading for position and trying to say, well, that piece of work is mine. No, that's mine. And, and, and then arguing it out, that's not helping deliver the customer and the business outcomes. So I, I think this is another issue, another challenge that we need to move forward on. And I don't have all the answers, yeah. unfortunately, but it's an endless argument. Where does the BA start and stop? relative to the other change professionals i think we need to we need to have that discussion and move forward on it um we've got a basis then to collaborate which if we don't know who's doing what how can we collaborate yeah um one of the things i often think and and, and this is a very geeky activity that i'm about to suggest but if you, <laughs> but if you think about business architecture and capability models capability yep. models are like the gradual decomposition of like things right in in mm -hmm. within their boxes and i often wonder it's like well you know we like to say that that one is a form of business analysis and that role is a form of business analysis mm -hmm. but it's like which ones are even to begin with which ones do fall under the sort of business analyst umbrella and which one are actually change disciplines that don't fall under yep. 
that umbrella. So then we get all these sort of derivatives uh, of everything that are part of the job family. Mm-hmm. And then we get other ones that don't. And I think that would be helpful because as you're talking at the beginning and, you know, we're trying to carve up these different roles and make sense of them. What, what One thing that doesn't help us get to the standard is the fact that organizations are of different sizes. So if you're a small startup, you're not going to have 10 mm-hmm. different people. But if you start to see it as job families, perhaps you could put all of those things together under that mm-hmm. one within there. And that might be, um, that might be mm-hmm. quite helpful. Um mm-hmm. But do you see the profession in terms of its um, sort of membership and, and where it sort of resonates to? Do, do you perhaps see anything happening there in our community going forward? So I think that there needs to be more discussion on standards. I think there needs to be more discussion on outcomes from business analysis, service delivery. And I do think the data-driven decision-making, we've got to start learning lessons, not on a not just on the per project or per product release or service release basis, but across the community. So how can we get BAs, let's say, for example, in the UK, collaborating with BAs that are working in South Africa or, or, or the Netherlands, learning lessons and sharing them with each other? Um, and I'm, I'm drawing on, if you've come across it, the concept of the black box in black box thinking, Matthew side, an industry whereby we look at lessons learned and how we move forward. Uh, someone showed me or told me just last week about a 27 million pound project that had been deployed where they weren't allowed to go and speak to any of the users of a target state system. And so they, they developed requirements, they developed the solution without any conversation with the actual users of the solution. Okay. And they've deployed it and it's defective. It doesn't work. It's not meeting the user customer outputs. And this is, this is in a modern organization, uh, I'm not going to name, but they've now got to do another project to fix that. And it's kind of this, this is, these are age old problems that we've known about for decades and we we have to get to a point whereby we get to a tipping point and we say this isn't acceptable anymore we want to drive strategically aligned beneficial outcomes for our organizations and we're going to learn lessons what's going well and what's not working well and stop repeating the mistakes and start learning from the successes and i i I don't have all the answers but i think collaboration and tooling has got to be a part of this and standards we could have a standard so we can communicate with each other. Um, if well, that makes sense, Joe. It does. When you were telling me that story, I was thinking, is this going to end in a happy way? Like, actually, is he, is he, I felt like you might be building up to some happy ending where they managed to miraculously deliver something a customer wanted without speaking um, with them. No. It's crazy, isn't it? No. No, I mean, doing business analysis with your hands tied behind your back and blindfolded, not being able to talk to your customers and users, your stakeholders, you know, that, that, that should be consigned to a different era. And, and we should, we should have moved on from that. But unfortunately, and that's just one anecdote, there are still projects where the BAs are perceived to not be able to, or not allowed to go and talk to people. And that, that, I, you know, we've got to consign to history. Yeah, no, we do. It's just, it, it, it's insane that that can still happen. It, yeah, mm. it's like, well, you may as well not have those BAs, um, really. Mm. Um, 
I want to drop two words in that you've actually not dropped in yet. I'm surprised not to have heard, heard these come come out of your mouth yet, Jonathan, but service design. So service design, it's part of the future. You know that I think that, Joe. Yeah. Um, I, think, I think that the BA has historically been quite comfortable talking about requirements and options in business cases. But what we need to do is, is we need to move from a position whereby we're afraid to or unwilling to talk about solutions and to move into a realm whereby we're comfortable facilitating design decisions and looking at how do we design services uh, in a cohesive, collaborative way with other colleagues in the change profession. Um, and I do see this as a, as a major kind of stream of where I think business analysis is going to move to. We, we're going to have to roll our sleeves up and get our hands dirty and start looking at prototype solutions, deploying those, testing hypotheses, being comfortable with A-B testing and learning from lessons learned from prototypes, working with customers and, and improving and evolving things. And, and that historically that um, position whereby the BA would only ever look at the requirement and non-solution specific. I think we've, we've, we need to be mindful that there's a time and a place to only look at requirements from a, what it is that we want to achieve, but we've got to be comfortable at the right time and the right place and with the right context to cross over that Rubicon and start to talk about what solutions might be viable for our context in which we're working. Techniques like design thinking can help with this, or approaches such as design thinking can help with this. But we've got to we've got to move from uh, just looking at the what to looking at both the what and the how relative to the solutions that we're putting forward. Um, and we've got to we've got to gain confidence and competence in doing that. And I think service design is absolutely one of the ways that we can do that. Yeah. I think so too. Um, before delving into some of this stuff, though, I just want you to to sort of position something a little bit for me. I, you know, I'm hearing prototyping, I'm hearing A/B testing, and now I'm thinking, mm -hmm. what's the difference between service design and product management? Maybe. Uh, this is a fantastic question. I'm so pleased you've answered it. As you've asked the question anyway. So. Um, in the change world, as I see it, there's often a project focus. So we're delivering in the constraint of a project or we're developing and delivering products. And both of these ways of thinking and approaches, I think are becoming out of date. So service looks holistically across all projects, across all products. And so we've talked in business analysis terms for a long time about this need for a holistic view, the service concept looks across all products. So we're looking at what is the customer experience across any of the products with which you might interact with relative to an organization. So if we took Apple, for example, yeah. they've got holistic design across the, the watch, the phone, the Mac, um, the Apple TV products, and so what, it, what is service? Well, we're looking at consistent service offer, consistent and, in, and an enhanced customer experience across those products. So we're looking at like a strategic yeah. positioning above products. And one of the things that I think will happen, and, and I haven't got the crystal ball, but I think product-centric thinking 
is slowly going to become out of date because people are going to realize that actually we need to think about these things holistically. It's no good having a great customer experience with a single product and you use another product from that company and it's dire. That variance is going to cause you to go elsewhere. Yeah. There's going to be variability between the different product teams that implement those if they don't have the overreaching standards. So it's a bit Mm. like a sort of brand wrapper in a way, an experience wrapper just to make sure that there's sort of consistency across all of those touch points between the organization and the customer yeah and and then the ability to dive into the detail in the product and to fix improve pain points touch points as appropriate but be able to zoom in to the detail and zoom out holistically the thing joins up and and it works effectively and efficiently for both the business and its customers yeah. Uh, and other stakeholders. I mean, um, I work, worked in financial so- services for the majority of my career, Joe. There's one bank that I worked for that had, for just debt collection, 37 different teams collecting debt in 37 different ways using 37 sets of processes, business rules, standards, and information technology products. You know, and, and this kind of, that's that's okay in a product-centric world. Well, yeah. maybe not. But, you know, if you're just thinking about your product and debt collection mm. or your project and debt collection, that's OK. But what I'm saying is that service design allows you to see the and business architecture tools allow you to do this as well, to see the common threads. And so conceptual thinking and thinking about the customer experience it has to be part of the way we move this profession forward. Yeah. It does. And and then, you know, with that, if you do find a certain gremlin in one spot, you know that in three or four other spots as well, you've got to iron yeah. iron that yeah. out. Um, yeah. Okay, so let's, let, let's come a little bit back deeper into this. Now, now, now that you've um, cleared up the difference between the, the two for me, I mean, you talked about things like prototyping and A-B mm-hmm. testing. You mentioned this line between what and how. Mm-hmm. I remember, I mean, that was a line we were always taught growing up in business analysis, wasn't it? You do the what, you, you don't do yep. the how. And yep. I often felt with the systems analysis side of business analysis that there was a bit of how, potentially. Mm-hmm. Depending on the organization, you might do a bit of sort of user interface design. Um, but even with business analysis, to a degree, I feel like there's a bit of how because we constrain mm-hmm later on we're sort of implicitly like Mm -hmm. framing a a design but getting deeper into it being a part of the conversations about what that thing Mm -hmm. looks like i think would be really interesting so how do you sort of you, you mentioned design thinking as well but do you see prototyping just becoming more prevalent in sort of day to day life here in this a b testing I, I think, you know, lots of BAs are already using prototyping all of the time. Um, but um, you know, experimenting with concepts, thoughts, hypothesis, so thought prototypes. And then if it's a prototype of a technology solution, absolutely, the wireframing and the, the actual tech prototype. But it might be a prototype of a new product, it might be a prototype of a new service. And... I think we've got to get more comfortable with the fact that the world is uncertain and complex and we don't have all the answers. And so in the definition of our requirements up front, we don't know, we can't predict the future. And so one of the things we can use the prototype for is to explore and 
um, I'm going to throw in um, some additional kind of words here now, systems thinking, systemic thinking. Yeah. If you think about systems of systems and all of these interrelated components, we can't possibly understand that on our own. And if we make a change, we're going to have to see, well, what's the impact on the systems or the broader ecosystem in which we operate? And I think, you know, these concepts, A-B testing for me isn't just about technology. It's about testing different processes, maybe different sets of business rules or a different variant of a product or service. Yeah. Um, it's, it's a concept that comes from tech development, but we, we're going to have to get more and more comfortable and confident in using these types of tools so that we can test the ideas that, that we have and, and be part of the conversation about how we move businesses forward. Far too often, because we've got this blocker, we'll just talk about the what and just the requirements. We then, unfortunately, in some instances, we're um, ignored or completely left out of the loop in terms of the conversation. So a senior executive will go direct to the person who will prototype their idea, their concept, miss out the BAs because they spend a lot of time filling out documentation in some instances. And that, that for me, is, is a threat to this profession. And we have to be we have to be cognizant of the problems in the profession, and move the profession forward so that we are comfortable with rapid prototyping of new concepts and ideas, objective data decision making based upon those, you know, the A/B testing of the new concept and idea, and learning from the results, and working with our businesses, our organisations to to push 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 ideas, push change forward in a positive beneficial and aligned way yeah um there, there isn't the patience for a ba to go on a, a four month sort of requirements writing journey is there as you say people right. answers now so they're going to go to the person who can answer it now whether that's internal or a lot of the time it's external as well to find yeah. a partner that's gonna gonna help them and then you've got no chance of getting into the back of that conversation. Yeah. Um, A-B testing, I mean, you mentioned coming out of technology and, I mean, coming out of product. Mm -hmm. um, the, the thing that jumps to my mind first is always actually marketing, like branding. And and I feel that perhaps there's a bit, you know, you talked about service design, you've talked about um, A-B testing processes, mm -hmm. products, services, that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. It's very similar with marketing, isn't it? They're testing ideas mm -hmm. to see... Yeah which ones help the customer bite and i guess it's mm -hmm. similar to this in terms of um mm -hmm. services and things mm -hmm. um i'm going to pick something up from your your survey answers here that uh, that i'd love to talk about i think i think it's a great little two-word phrase here you're talking about pushing ideas with business trying to move change forward you use the phrase here about being a critical friend to mm -hmm. business um yeah. i think that's great Mm. Yeah, there's um, there's a lot of people pleasers in in the world, and and I've been a people pleaser in the past, saying yes and smiling. But if we're gonna if we're gonna drive forward our businesses, we we have to critique and provide a different perspective and look at all of the different perspectives relative to an option, our feature, a requirement, a product development or service development idea, and I think. Resilience, stress management, stakeholder engagement—they've mm -hmm. all got to come into the. They've all got to come into play for us to be confident to be the critical friend. But the, the friendship part is—we're doing it with positive intent. 
asking yeah. those questions we we're talking about joe earlier asking it to be difficult we're asking it because it's important that we get alignment and that we make considered decisions and um i think i'm not sure whether or not i put it in the survey answers or not but there's often a like a tyranny of the urgent let's just get something delivered yeah there's a product development team waiting there's a we've hired some developers can you write the user stories kind of mindset and and sometimes we've got to be the ones that say hang on a minute why are we doing this change and is it the appropriate thing to do and that's not always going to make us popular um whilst we're doing it with the positive intent yeah yeah honesty we love right that that's what you're saying um i remember a phrase once that that was used i forget where i heard it but it said something along the lines of a friend is somebody who says good things behind your back and bad things to your face right yeah. you know and i've always thought that you know you do want the kind of people who are not as you're going to say just give you the answers that please you mm. but but rather give you something that's going to help you take mm. a critical look at yourself and, and move mm. yourself um forwards another thing with your with your um sort of view on prototyping a b testing as well which which comes back to something you said right at the start as well is the need for collaboration um around that you've talked about um listening but when it comes to just engaging with people working with people what particular sort of changes do you perhaps see in in the way that we operate with those roles that support us and we support back? So do you mean in terms of the other change professional roles, Joe? Yeah, yeah. And yeah. the business as well, business roles. I, I think we've got to get more inquisitive about what are the differences between the different roles. Um, I think empathy, um, understanding where people are coming from, um, we're going to have to also, unfortunately, it's not not particularly exciting necessarily, but look at principles and governance. How do we co-create value with, for example, a change manager or a product owner? Um, how do we set up a, a an environment whereby there's trust, there's empowerment, there's psychological safety, there's a ability to show, for example, strengths and vulnerabilities with those other change professionals that you're working with. There's, there's, a, there's a whole lot of work there required to engender what I describe as a collaborative team. And it's not just, right, let's have a workshop and collaborate. There's more to it than that. You've got to build the relationships and some of the best working relationships that I've had are those where I spend time with the folk that I'm working with, really get to know them, um, go out for lunch with someone. Um, and I know in these kind of post-COVID world, that might seem strange, but, you know, sitting and going for a coffee with someone in a in an in-person basis, um, I think there's value in that, and we have to make the time to do it. Um, you can do it in a virtual context, absolutely, but you've still got to prioritize the time to get to know your colleagues and, and to create that environment. It also requires a lot of leadership, and I do think the BA is a leader. We have to show leadership in the aspects I'm, that I'm discussing in terms of creating culture of psychological safety and trust, um, listening to colleagues, being able to share strengths, weaknesses, vulnerabilities. We've got to show leadership in that space uh, in order to help create this 
this culture where we can we can actually collaborate with the with other change professionals with our business counterparts and colleagues yeah um, not easy though no it's not easy um you know a thought that popped into my head when you when you mentioned the work workshop there is is you know like a workshop is in a room we we perhaps need to make our daily work a workshop so that we're working collaboratively with people it's it becomes like mm. more like the day to day than just that that once off four or eight hour thing mm. that we have um mm. a lot of the ideas i mean we haven't really covered business architecture today but you dropped that in we've dropped in service design we've talked about customer experience we've talked about tools we've talked about mm-hmm. chat gpd repositories being able to ask the right questions get the right mm-hmm. data make some insightful decisions about it um i think we've blown the top off business analysis today we're throwing a kitchen sink at some things um <laughs> apologies for that <laughs> no but it's great right like like that's where we're here because um i'm a great believer that yeah we don't have the answers but let's start talking about it and if yeah. if we don't talk about it then we're not even going to know that there's a question that needs answering mm-hmm. but I, I feel like you know you've set a bar a new bar perhaps of the potential and now i'm beginning to think how do we realize this potential sort of where we are now to get in there what sort of things do we need to start doing so i'm really excited about it genuinely i think this professional discipline has a lot of potential um it's got risks it's got threats absolutely but where where do we start we start with a conversation joe and and in part you know you're you're starting that conversation by launching this podcast and doing what you're doing go you know meeting and working with other believable folk in this discipline and sharing the ideas and concepts um doing 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 work in our respective communities and cross cross the communities um we've it's all of our jobs to do this it's no one person's job um i think i think the professional bodies have a role to play um i think the individual practitioners have a role to play um, and I think it, it, it's exciting, but I, I, I don't, I don't have the answers to Joe. I don't know how we get to this point where the BA is skilled, competent, and confident in the fields of business architecture, business service design, and business analysis, and able to manifest positive, strategically aligned change outcomes, no matter where they do that work, wherever that is in the world. That's like a, it, I, I think I'll be working towards that towards the end of my career and until the, the very last day of my business analysis career, whenever it is that I retire, and I don't know when that will be, but I might even be working on it post-retirement. I, <laughs> I see this as a, I, I don't see this as not a 10-year thing. This might be beyond that, but it, it's we've got to get to work with it. And having this conversation and, and the conversations that we we have um, with others all the time, Joe. It's part of this work, but it's it's no one. There's no one silver bullet. I think um, there's no. I'll go do this, and, and it's fixed. What are your ideas, Joe? How do we get to move towards this confident, competent, um, high quality BA professional of the future, Joe? I know you okay. should be asking me the questions, but what are your thoughts? You're the first person to ask me a question back. Sorry. Um, <laughs> It depends. How about that for <laughs> BA answer again? Um, 
Yeah, have we have we got another 40, 45 minutes? It, it, you know, it's it's complex, but I like what you say. It's about having conversations, and that's exactly why this pod started. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't believe that any one person has got an answer, but I do believe a collective, a community, you know, a, a consensus around some ideas, um, mm-hmm. the sowing of seeds through people who listen to this, and it adds then adds some sort of difference to what mm. they were thinking or it completes an idea that it that it had that they had and i think together we then sort of come along on the on this journey and, and we take a path forward and i think mm. um i think it's going to be a long path like you say mm. um we're probably not going to see the end of it i mean well the future's always there right it, it moves <laughs> as we move but um we're not going to see the end of it any time soon so as long as we're on the right path and we start walking down the path i think that's sort yeah. of the best thing that we can that we can do and to anybody listening um as i've just highlighted if if you want to come on this pod if you want to have a a seat in one of these chairs and have a conversation um please do futurebusinessanalyst.com forward slash survey fill that in book yourself a slot on the show and i look forward to having a conversation with you um, which is probably also a good time to, to say thank you for the conversation, Jonathan. It, it's been wonderful to chat with you. I appreciate you throwing your kitchen at me. It's, <laughs> it, it's been fun. And, um, yeah, I'm sure this is the start of a couple of more conversations that you and I will have maybe offline. But um, thanks for coming on. Brilliant. Thank you for your time, Joe. Thank you very much.